We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in another edition of the Good and Plenty podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman, and he is Florida State coach Leonard Hamilton. We've talked about doing this, Leonard, for a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we could do it. Although the timing is kind of sad, obviously, with with what happened to one of your former players, uh, Michael Ojo, on Friday, uh, passing away at 27 years old in Serbia uh, of a heart attack. And Leonard, I'll tell you what, this is a kid. I remember well because he came up to me multiple times. I didn't know him, obviously, through the recruiting process. I'm in Charlottesville. You're playing uh, Virginia. And before the game, he literally comes up to me, and we talked for about 15 or 20 minutes, and he was just a big teddy bear who had that infectious smile, that personality. Um, Just so sad, Leonard, because I think he was going to make such a big impact not just on the court, but off the court. You could just tell he had that that personality, that love for life. Well, it's interesting that you will make that observation because and he, he didn't know you. He just introduced himself to you. Can you imagine what he was like to people who had really gotten to know him and to spend time with him? I mean, it, it's so, it was so – I mean, I've gotten such an outpour – of, of letters and texts and communications from people all over the country and all over the world who, who have, the, who had encountered this wonderful individual. And so I can't imagine uh, how, what his teammates feel like, cause I know how I felt like, and, and uh, my birthday was August the 4th and, and I played the message he left with me to my wife. And it was very touching. You know, so that, that was the kind of guy he was. I mean, yeah. I, I, everybody had a picture with him. I mean, little babies and kids, and yeah. and, and, and and he had such a enormous physical structure. I really believe had he run for for student body president as a write-in candidate, he would have won by a landslide. He, he, I mean, he was the most popular person wherever he went, regardless of who you were. And, what job, what role you played? If you was the secretary, if you was the, if you was the custodian, if you were the tutor, 
the, the teacher, uh, the administrator, uh, I mean, it was nothing for him just to walk into the president's office to say hello, you know, and, and speak to everybody else on the way into the office. He just, the secretaries, the, the staff assistants, uh, the girls' basketball team, all the coaches, he just was a unique and special guy. And I remember when he came, one of the first conversations we had, and we were talking about conduct, and he told me, my grandmother told me to be a good little boy, be a good boy. <laughs> he was. And, and, and that was his uh, message, that he was going to be a good boy. And and here he was, 7'1", looking like uh, a, a grown man, saying his grandma told him to be a good boy. And, and that meant a lot to him. And to be very honest with you, he stayed true to his grandmother's wish, and he never deviated from it one bit. I can I can kind of sense it in your voice. I mean, how hard this is. It's still fresh, right? I mean, 27 years old. And I know the impact, like, a lot of people talk about uh, on-the-court stuff. But for you, I've, I've been around you and these players enough over the years. It's far more important to, to do what you did for these kids, for whether it's for Michael, whether it's for Trent Forrest, who I've known a while, some of these kids, Jason Rich back in the day, who I knew extremely well, Isaiah Swan, whatever. For you, it's more important, isn't it, to watch them grow off the court and give Michael the opportunities, obviously, he had on the court to make money, to be able to provide for his family back home. Um, but but I can just see it in your voice, like how much this this obviously affected you. Well, you know, I grew up in a situation I grew up in segregation, and and to say that we grew, had meager means would be a probably an understatement. And when you in that situation where you the oldest in your immediate family, and you realize you got to set the table for your brothers and your sisters. I had three brothers and a sister, and um, you know. I had to set the table. So getting my education, you know, was so very, very important. My mother went to the seventh grade. My father went to the ninth grade. And and, and they were limited. They were limited. Uh, they were limited as to what they could accomplish because of the fact that, uh, the fact that uh, uh, they were not educated. So I was in a situation where I knew I had to set the table. And my father was an extremely intelligent person. He just wasn't educated, so his ceiling was 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 not very high. And my mother was a domestic worker. She had to work and do uh, uh, take care of people and working, you know, as uh, attendants in, in hospitals and and that wasn't very very pretty. Uh, eight of us living in a four room house. So going through that, fighting through segregation, fighting through the lack of meager means and setting the table so that my brothers would have a better example to follow. So it was important that I got my degree and I adopted my brother Willie uh, as soon as I graduated and, and got him through college. And both he married a lady who graduated from college and both of his kids went to college and, and, and they're married somebody who's you know college. So my point to you, just, me graduating from school changed the whole culture of my family. Yeah. 
My brother Barry goes to college. I adopted my brother Barry. My brother John, uh, I couldn't adopt because he had gotten older, but he goes to college. His kids go to college. It changes the, the, their wife went, yeah. adopted my sister Pam. She goes to college. Her son goes to school. So it changes the whole culture of a family. And, and most of the kids we get are first-generation college students. So I don't have time to worry about the wins and losses. I'm, you you affecting not only the individual kids that you are coaching and you're responsible for, you really are changing the culture of a whole family. So when you've been coaching as long as I've been coaching, that becomes the primary point in your job every day trying to make sure that these youngsters enjoy a better way of life through education and growing and maturing and, and developing those skills that it takes to navigate through life. You know, so if you ask me what's more important, the ACC championship or whether or not these guys are good husbands and fathers and neighbors and citizens and whether or not they, they're setting good examples for their kids, it, that's just a no-brainer. You know, when you, gotta, when you look yourself in the mirror every morning, you got to look at someone who's true to himself. And I, when I look in the mirror in the morning, I don't see trophies. I don't see Coach of the Year awards. I don't see accolades and press clippings. I see a I see a guy who wants to be true to the responsibility that he's given, and and that's how we manage it. And so, as we go through this process, you know, I understand preparation, and I hope that we have enough talent that we can go out and compete. And I think we've done a decent job with that. So uh, I've had to zero in on that which I think I can control. And that's the, the, the how we work out with our youngsters. Uh, you know, we've been in here at Florida State now. This is my 18th year. We've only had two kids not graduate in the 18 years we've been here. They've been here for four years. We was at Miami for 10 years. We had three kids not graduate. So in 28 years, we've only had five kids not graduate. To me, that's so much more important then how many ACC championships we won. We all know you got to win games to keep your job. <laughs> Hopefully we win enough to keep our jobs, but I'm hoping that we win more games in the games of life in terms of development than I worry about whether or not how many championships we're going to run, how many coaching of the year awards we're going to get. You know, it's funny. I think uh, after everything happened in, in the aftermath of, of George Floyd's murder and, and – racism um, certainly came to the forefront a, a little bit more. We all look for within college basketball, who is going to be that voice, right? Like where's big John Thompson? Where's John Chaney? Where's Nolan Richardson? And we're trying to think of who it is, right? You know, Conzo Mar- who there aren't, I mean, I'll, you know, the numbers, right? You know, the numbers is 28% of all uh, coaches in, in college basketball division one are black. If you take away the HBCUs, it goes down to 80 of 336, which is 24%, just eight of 65 power five. That's 12%. It's a joke are black. We've been looking around and now I'm looking at you. I'm like, like, why, why, why haven't you been able to come to the forefront? Because you should, and we should have put you there all along. You're 72. You don't look 72. That's the best joke we've, everybody plays with you. You hear it all the time that you just turned 72, but you look 50, but you have the, the life experience 
that you should have been put out there for this because you've had, like you said, you grew up in segregation. You've seen racism from an early age. Um, so why haven't you been able to kind of gain traction for, for being the voice um, for, for college basketball? Well, in, in the first place, uh, I, 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 haven't, I don't have any desire to, to, to be a voice. I want to be Leonard Hamilton and I want to do my job. Now, I don't have really any interest in being the making symbolic speeches because I I admire and respect those people who are keeping the conversation going. The demonstrators, the people who are writing the articles, the videos that are in support of Black Lives Matters, the gestures that we are making in terms of kneeling, all those things are well and good. But but I'm not comfortable that I can say any of those symbolic gestures are are causing the needle to be moved in in relation to um, addressing the systemic racism and, and social inequality and, and, and inequities. And my my biggest concern is until there becomes a national, organized, thorough um, approach that's mandated from the federal government, we're going to still have these conversations like we're having we're going to have symbolic gestures. We're going to have demonstrations. We're going to burn buildings down. And then when smoke clears, we right back to the same situation again. It's unfortunate that Kaepernick has, has made a gesture in good faith that was, the, and you got to take your head off to him, but his family has been denied a lot of resources for the commitment that he's made. And he still doesn't have a job. Now we are saying we understand now why he did what he's what he's done. But when you kneel, what has happened is it's been the the the, the reason that he was protesting has gotten lost in the conversation of people misinterpreting his demonstration as disrespectful to our flag. When in reality, that was never his intent to disrespect the flag. It was to bring attention to the the, the racial issues that we were having with police and the social injustices that he was trying to bring attention to. So you give a certain segment of people an opportunity to spend more time complaining about the way people are demonstrating as opposed to what they're demonstrating about. And the first thing we have to do as a nation is to identify that we do have issues. If you remember correctly, in 1968, I believe uh, Lyndon B. Johnson uh, called for us to do the Kerner Commission, and they did that intensive study. 
and they they identified what was causing the 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 the, the, the uh, uprisings, the housing, the education, the the least uh, the opportunities uh, for equal employment, um, and a, a whole host of other things, and they identified them, but. When the next administration came in, those that was never really acted upon to any major degree, maybe here and there, but not really embracing the intent of what the commission was for in the first place. I get very concerned when I see elected officials who represent their areas can come out and say, I don't understand if I don't see any racial inadequacies or social injustices. So my point to you, when you have, when we, we can't admit that we have an issue, how can we ever have a problem? So well, I guess what I'm saying is it all starts with our elected officials and the response and the leadership that they give us on these issues. Sure, we got all kinds of agencies and and think tanks and different groups working feverishly, but we can't get an organized, total, mandated approach to resolving this issue. And in our society, whenever there is something that's important, we all come together and we address it. But we can't come to the conclusion we can't really agree on where we are. And so when you can't accept where you are, then how can you give direction of where you want to go because you don't know where, where you are? You, you're, we're lost. And, and I am very concerned with, with the climate. I, I'm, I'm very respectful of the initiatives and the conversations that we're having. Uh, I think it's, it's great. But, but I, I, I want to see some solutions or some plans to come up with some solutions. And right now, we have demonstrators, but we don't seem to have any conversation about how we're going to address these issues. And you have so many people trying to figure out that don't even see that we have a problem. So, you know, I'm really concerned. No, I think you're right. I think, unfortunately, you have uh, a lot of politicians that can't admit it, and other ones that can, that can't get stuff done. So it's hard, right? I mean, you, you hope that this momentum continues. And listen, for, for, for people like me, it's been beneficial to learn, right? To, to hear, to learn. Um, I, I, listen, I, I've been around, obviously, you know, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, black, white, my whole life. Uh, but I still don't think I was educated enough on everything until you hear the stories, right? Like you told me a story. And again, you know, it doesn't hit me until I hear it from you of when you were a kid in North Carolina in segregation and you would go into restaurants. I mean, it just, when I hear it, it's different. It's just different when you hear it than when maybe you even read it. Well, the, the problem is there's no doubt. I mean, yes, I, I, I use the colored water fountain, the colored bathroom, the the, the, the riding in the back of the bus and sitting up in the balcony because you couldn't sit down in, 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 in where one else, certain restaurants, you just couldn't go in 
<clears throat> that they were serving your food through a little cubicle and a hole in the wall. I mean, I went through all of that. But 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 my problem is, is that in our educational systems, we you're saying you didn't know because we we know an awful lot about the pilgrims when they came from Europe and landed. Yeah, that's right. But, but we don't have anything in our educational books to any degree about those people, the slaves that were captured in Africa, brought to America, used for labor, you know, with chains and whips, and those people who died on the barge and were thrown off in the ocean, and that we don't have any knowledge of that. So you don't have a perspective of of the journey. So, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have any racial bias. You just have not been exposed. So, my point is that why is is that not part of our history? Is that not part of 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 what America, how America was founded and developed? And I'm not wanting to be negative about this. I'm saying is that that part of of the nation's Growth was not even, never included in in history, and um, those of us who lived through it, you know, we have some scars. But fortunate enough, I'm not bitter about anything. But I'm just concerned that there are people like you that are open minded, and you don't ever remember. You you can you know about the Mayflower, you know about the shift that you could probably name the shift that came over. Listen, I know about the Holocaust. I'm Jewish. I know, I know plenty about the Holocaust. And I think probably more people know about the Holocaust and are educated on that maybe than slavery. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so my point to you, you, you know, those are things that we can correct them, but we, we have to, you gotta have, you know, two, you gotta have willing parties and, and I don't know where we are with that. Yeah, with, with that, with the people who can make a difference. And I'm not one to point. Hey, look, pointing fingers and and calling folks out, uh, being angry. Uh, that's not going to to solve anything, man. You well, know, what, listen, and, Leonard. That's what Stephen Jackson did, right? I mean, that's what Stephen Jackson <laughs> did. And and how did that help? That's not helping anything. Well, I'm, well, all I'm interested in doing. Is seeing can we come up with an approach to at least start trying to study to see where we are, identify where we are, and let's see can we all just be one great country? You know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's born with malice or disrespect of, of, of anybody. It's a learned position that that we pick up along the way. And you who you are as a result of what you've been exposed to. And even people who maybe might have uh, some negative impressions of of African American people, they're who they are as a result of what they've been exposed to, and so and that's who we are. But somewhere along the line, there has to be an initiative put place by somebody in in higher positions, so this become an issue that the nation is trying to <clears throat> improve on, and, and and we have too many people who seem to have their head buried in the sand and not seeing, you know, people crying out, help me, please help. That we want to be part of, 
of, of the American dream. Please include us. And it just doesn't seem, it seems like we've made tremendous progress. And, and, and sports has been kind of a role, a model for um, showing that we all can come together and be as one, all the way back to Jackie Robinson. And, and, and the NFL, the NBA, college basketball, I mean, people in the stands cheering, no one's worrying about who, where, where you're from, what your nationality is, whether you're black or white. We all cheering for good old you. But is and, and, and is there's passion and love and respect, but somehow or another when we leave the arena, <clears throat> changes. It, it changes, and I so I just, I just I'm holding hope <clears throat> that um, that we can get through this. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm campaigning to address, uh, be a part of solutions. Um, I, I want, I'm campaigning to challenge the people who are in position to make a difference to please step up and, and let's see can we eliminate some of these issues that we're dealing with. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports slowly making its way back. Obviously, we got UFC, NASCAR, soccer. Uh, they led the way. Uh, NBA now, NHL, you got it. Hopefully, we'll see some uh, some NFL soon. BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for all the upcoming matches. Uh, we got NBA Futures. Lakers still leading the way, barely over the Clippers. Lakers are plus 285. Clippers plus 310. Bucks right there, plus 325. Rockets plus 1,200. Celtics plus 1,200. Then a big, uh, actually, Raptors plus 1,000. So there you go. Uh, need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So one way you're, 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 I think, from what I've heard, is you're trying to impact change is uh, the Black Coaches Association has been fairly dormant for years, Leonard. I mean, not really active. You know, kind of like the NABC in a way, that not not impacting all that much. I, I've heard, and I haven't even talked to you about this, but I've heard that that you're taking on more of an active role and, and kind of a leadership role within that organization. What, what are you doing to try to help uh, black coaches get more opportunities, especially in the head coaching realm? Because – we know the numbers are there for assistant coaches. They're just not there, the opportunities for a lot of black head coaches um, to, to get opportunities. Well, I'm, I'm working with several different groups uh, that are coming together, trying to see what we can do to improve in so many different areas, preparations, along with, um, you know, creating opportunities for uh, um, for jobs, not only coming up with better ways to help motivate and, and, and prepare our, the players who they're responsible for. So there are several different initiatives and I'm working with several different groups, you know, just trying to lend my experience, uh, and my background to see to it that they all, you know, uh, uh, being a part of helping them regroup and, 
and, and be part of, of the solution. And so um, it, it's been interesting. Uh, there are groups popping up all over the place. <clears throat> and I think they're engaging in conversation in a respectful way. And I, and I think it's good. I, I don't see anything negative. I think it's all positive. Um, and, and hopefully, um, you know, they will, uh, those different groups will identify certain things, areas where they think they can prepare themselves and do a better job uh, in, in their profession, and as well as prepare themselves for opportunities. And hopefully we can move the needle uh, forward uh, by doing so. You know, I thought one of the most interesting conversations I've had with you was was about players getting paid. Mm-hmm. And, and last year, I, I remember sitting down at the ACC media day and talking to a couple of your guys about it. And I said, like, you know, do you think players should get paid? And 99% of the players, when you ask them that question, what are they going to say? Of course, they're going to say yes, right? They'll, no, they don't no. want to get paid. Yes. Yours didn't. Yours, yours took a different approach of I think we're good. I, I I don't think we need more. We got the stipend. A lot of them get Pell Grants. Uh, they got the scholarship. Um, you have a different approach to this than many, don't you? Well, you know, first thing, what I want to do is this. Because I value the opportunity to get a scholarship, get my education, and I value what that has meant for me and my family, and so I'm placing a value. I'm also cognizant of the fact that everyone is not an elite athlete. And 98% of all the players that play on my team at some point in time will need to have a job and they'll be working with their family. A small percentage of those guys would go to the NBA. <clears throat> Another percentage of them would play ball in Europe for a short period of time. But by the time they're 27, 28, they're going to need the education. They got to provide for the family. I don't want all the emphasis to start being on let me go to the school that's paying me the most money as opposed to trying to to getting away from the reason why you should be going to school is to, to improve yourself, prepare yourself for life after basketball. And we all know that there's going to be life after basketball. And so that that way I start with my premise uh, of wanting to analyze what's important and what's not. And then the, the amateur model has worked so much for African-Americans. It, it really has, you know, getting the Pell Grant, a, a grant that you don't have to pay back. That's in my school, that's probably around six or $7,000. And then the initiative the NCAA has has given us a cost of attendance. That's somewhere between six and eight thousand dollars. And I'm thinking that so you know you got kids with way over a thousand dollars a month, and they're and they're, you know above their scholarship that takes care of room, board, and tuition. Now, and I'm I'm saying that that's what's going on now. Now, my concern, I don't have an opinion a definite opinion on whether we should or should not be paid or the the likeness issue one way or the other. Now, I can best make a decision about it if someone can give me a model, a model 
that will, if we're going to disrupt the amateur model that's worked for a lot of people like Leonard Hamilton is that improved my life. Show me the model of what we're talking about. For instance, is there a, is there a concern about Lyle or Chicago never having an opportunity now to ever get to the Final Four if they got to compete with, with – with, if if, how are we going to make that work where it's equitable? Right. You're saying they're not going to have enough they're, – they're not going to be able to offer the same things that – Okay. And, and so when I make that comment, people will say to me, it's already unfair right, right. because some schools got better facilities – some schools got the, but see, right now, it's still about education. It's still uh, about, to me, it's about education. Maybe not some of the people who, right. who right. are promoting it, it's not as much about that. And my concern is that I'm in the eighth and ninth grade. I, I've been concerned about getting my core courses with my grade point average and passing the test so I can qualify to go to college and get my education. Now it's going to be Your where can I go with the light that where they get with at this particular school, they get $15,000 a month. And at this school over here, it gets, I get a thousand dollars a month. I, now I'm going to the school that can. So now I don't know how that works. And then they don't I know how it works either. Leonard, that that's part of the problem right now is they talk about these guardrails and, and eliminating the recruiting inducements, but you and I both know that stuff's going to happen. Of course, people are going to be making deals prior to kids getting on campus with car dealerships or whatnot. That's just the reality of the situation. Now, what I'm saying is if we going to disrupt the, the, the amateur mark, and that's what it's like, that's, it's worked pretty good now for a number of years for people like myself. Not the elite basketball player. Now, so we we, we have we if basketball. Let's take basketball. So there's maybe fifty two hundred Division One basketball players. Yep. And let's say in the draft every year, there might be twenty kids from college that that will maybe make an NBA team. Is that a fair number? Yeah, get guaranteed contracts even. Let's say 20 that get a guaranteed deal. American, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe 30. Maybe 30. Okay, 30. 30 out of 5,200 Division One basketball players. So now we're talking about the elite of the elite. So what I'm saying is, so let's, get, let's say we got 100. We don't want to deny that 100 an opportunity to realize their dreams. But, but but what do we do with the, yep. the other fifty one hundred? And, and and I'm just saying I I want to see a model of how it works on my campus, yeah. so then I can make a decision because it'd be unfair for me to say I don't like it, but it'd be, and I don't want to jump on, jump on this train where this is what we got to do because it's fair because people are saying go in the kitchen and cook some food, you figure out. How are you going to make the dinner? There's no food in here. There's no recipe book. And, and we say, let's get it done. My concern is fear of the unknown. And I think if those who are proposing it, <clears throat> and I respect them, show us a model that represents the basketball player on TV, the football player on Saturday, and, and the, the cross-country runner 
who gets up and runs 20 miles every day that nobody ever sees. Or the or the swimmer who gets up in the morning at 5.30 to go to swim for an hour before they go to class. How do we make that equitable? Well, they're not going to make money, Leonard. Leonard, the cross-country person is and, – and I was with you for a long time. For a long time, I was – we were in total agreement that that I think the, the value of the scholarship was enough. Now I've kind of gotten to a point where I say to myself, you know what, if Zion Williamson has this brand and he can make all this money, and, and maybe you're doing it a different way where once he leaves school, once they graduate, they get their money. I don't know how you do it. Like you said, that's part of the problem is they don't know. They don't I just want to see them all. See, we're saying the same. Yeah. I don't want to – I'm not begrudging yeah. anything. I just want to see. Don't tell me we y'all do it. Without, you know, when we get ready to put somebody in a spaceship and send them to the moon, we have assimilation. Yeah, yeah. You know, a trial. And and we pretty much know how we're going to do this. When we get ready to play a basketball game, we practice. We have a game plan. We implement it. When you, when you get ready to write an article, you do your research. You know, right now, we're saying do it. And all I'm saying, if it can work, and be equitable, and it doesn't disrupt the, the amateur model, and it's fair across the board for every student that's an athlete on campus, then, then just show me, show us how it works so that we can all now sit back and say we can make a decision. But 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 what I, what I don't want to happen, and some people in your position would say it already happens, well, not necessarily. I mean, the fact that there's a different team that has a chance to win a national title is not always quote the blue bloods. Right, that's right. Okay, I yeah. mean it's not. I mean, other words, Texas Tech got in the Final Four. Yep. Auburn bought their program back, got to the Final Four. Illinois, Chicago got to the Final Four. I mean, even Villanova winning two titles, right? Who would have right, thought? Right. I mean, so Florida State, where were we? Elite eight. We write, we, we write in lead eight. We four points. We we in the final four. Right. So now, does that mean that we are not concerned about um, uh, maintaining a level playing field? That could be the, it. And but but the elite players like Zion, they have an they should have an opportunity to go straight from high school <clears throat> right to the pros. What I'm saying to you is that a better way? than to put Zion Williams at Duke making a hundred thousand dollars a week. I mean, is that right? Let him I'm play. Just that as, Let I him mean, play if he's right. Don't don't get me wrong. I hope that that does not take out of content. Right. I'm just saying to you, he probably was worth it. Yep. No because doubt. he's one of the greatest players that I've ever seen. But but you know, if a player of that caliber decides to go to college, that's his choice. And if he wants to go and become a professional, that should be his choice. Yeah. But I, what I don't like is me not knowing how to answer your question when I really can't see how it's implemented because I could be saying, that looks good. But right now, I'm getting conversation and, and I'm seeing emotions being exploded about people trying to voice their uh, opinions and about how they feel about something without actually 
going through the process of saying, showing us how it, how it's going to work for everybody. And I am concerned that the I'm just concerned. I just like to know. I don't like the direction that it's going in. It's like we're all emotional and we're going down a path where that's not the way we work. When we build cars, you know, we build them, put them together, and we test drive them, and we make sure they operate good. We work, we we check on the safety. And you know what the and, problem is, Leonard? The problem is the NCAA is only doing this because they feel backed into a corner. And they but, no but, the, but, but my point to you though, they backed in the corner by people who are not in the position other than they don't have to worry about the results of it. They just think that it's right. And I don't they could be right. But if if you're going, if I'm going to come to you and tell you what you should do, at least I should show you, help you figure out how you're going to do it. Yep. Yep. I I agree with that. And again, I I don't think anybody has any idea what these guardrails are going to be, but they're going to be there. We both know they're going to be there. A lot of people feel like there should be no guardrails. And listen, at this point, whatever they can make, uh, whether it's it's an advertisement, whether it's uh, going to a party, being promoted because an athlete, you know, your best football player is at a party and they pay him to show up at that party, uh, or their their Instagram brand, they can make as much money as they want. A lot of people feel like it should just be kind of open season and the market will eventually correct itself. I don't think it will at first. I think you'll have people overpaying for all these things. <laughs> you know, has anybody said anything to you about education in this process? Uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I mean, what, what I'm saying to you, then, then put a cap on it where everybody got the same cap and that you know, just show me. That's all, all I want to do is see, see the You'll play. See it soon enough, you know, January. Well, they'll, they'll push it back. They say January. I think is is the hope, but who knows? With the pandemic, everything's going on. They'll probably end up pushing it back. Like uh, they don't they don't move all that quickly. All right, let, let's we'll finish here with with college football. Um, right now, <laughs> Leonard does not look like it's in great shape. All due respect. Yeah. Yeah, I got all I can say. Graceful in basketball. Let's kind of stick with let's kind of stick with basketball. No, I'm going uh, basketball. I'm setting it up with football. I'm not asking you about football. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm just saying, as we're taping this right now, we are at Monday early afternoon. There's all sorts of stuff brewing here that there might not be college football. So I don't know. When people listen to this, it may be in the rear view at this point. I don't know. Okay. What What is your best idea? for playing college foot, uh, basketball, not college football, for playing college basketball this year? Do you think uh, – are you confident we're going to have a season? And how would you if, – if you're – if I let you be the commissioner of college hoops right now, how would you kind of try to orchestrate this? I would make all my decisions on what I thought was in, would be in the best interest of keeping everybody safe. That would That would dictate – all my decisions. I wouldn't get caught up in worrying about money. Yeah. I wouldn't get caught up worrying about television. All my all this all my decisions would be made predicated on safety. What what, what keep us being safe? Yeah. 
if I had to make a decision today with the information that I have, I probably wouldn't even think about playing basketball in the fall at all. I agree. I, I would, agree. I would, and, and me, I'd be a little more aggressive probably and, and give me a date maybe in late December when I would say, uh, I would predict that we, but that would be something to change. Um, if, if I probably was a, had my way, I probably would move it. That I wouldn't even think about starting until I get a vaccine. Uh, something that I know that I would have to have something when I'd have to feel that it's safe for our kids to go out and play. Yep. You, then the, the, the answer is then, well, how do you practice? Well, I think what you do, you, you, you don't put, you don't have an NBA bubble, right. but, but, but you have a model of a bubble, bubble where you go, where you eat, where you shower, and you control your environment, and you practice safe social distance, you practice safe, and you hold everybody accountable to each other, <clears throat> and, 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 and hopefully, you know, we are consistent with that. And I know our staff would be, and I have confidence that our players, you know, would, would, would adhere uh, to that that bubble that we that we could create. Um, um, so I don't have the information to to make those types of assessments now, but I, I, I'm, my my gut feeling is this is August, and then <clears throat> and then we have to have a vaccine vaccine, and then we need to know whether or not it works and. With the after effects of the of the medicine, we have to have feel comfortable that that these things are, are what's in the best interests of our players. And <clears throat> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hesitant to make a call to get everybody at ease. And then if I need to make some adjustments, I would. But I I, I would not be lingering around waiting month to month. I probably would be a little bit more aggressive. And, and error on the side of being too cautious. My my idea has been for months to do, forget about conferences sticking together. And I know, like you said, money, forget about the money, the TV contracts. Why not have 30 bubbles regionally where not one team ever has to get on a plane the entire year? You go there for two weeks, and that way the referees also aren't bouncing around eight days in eight different spots. They can sit tight in one bubble. And if you've got 12 teams over a two-week period, maybe you can play five or six games over that span. You have testing, a little bit more mass testing. You have uh, sort of a bubble. Again, listen, are all players going to adhere to it? We, we don't know, right? We don't know. Now, the money of that bubble is going to be the issue, right? Like the ACC could probably afford that bubble for two weeks. Could Conference USA, could uh, the MIAC? Probably not. That's why I'm saying don't do it by conferences. Do it regionally so that way it would actually allow more of those lower-level teams to be able to pull it off. And well, you know, now, now my, my my talk, my thought moves toward the NCAA tournament. If we're, if we're confident that we're going to have the tournament on this particular date, and, and and the conferences can have their bubbles. 
and play within themselves and protect each other with the protocol of that conference. I'm almost thinking that it would only be fair to increase the number of teams that participate in the NCAA tournament. Now, now, my recommendation with my magic wand, uh, I would say, bing, you know, like Tinkerbell and all those folks. I would say, bing, you know. Uh, what is bewitched? You know this. Yes. Yes. You know, okay. That's right. And and I would I would double. I would go from a sixty four to one hundred twenty eight. I'd have one hundred twenty eight teams. Now why would I do one hundred twenty eight? Because we already have a play in date. Correct. Yep. With a team's play in date. Yep. So everybody would play on that same date. Seated one through one twenty. 128. Yep. Yep. In one place. One more game. Right. It's one more set of games. But, but, but yep. one more set of games, yep. but you got 64 packed houses all over the country because everybody's going to be excited about going to the NCAA tournament. I would, I would venture to say, having a chance to play for the national title. Sure. We make up some of the money that we lost from last year. Television would just go totally crazy. So, so my point is that is that we would we would make money. We don't add a diff, we don't add another day, and in one day we write back to where we've always been. So we don't add anything. So now we're still on the same schedule that we always have been. And because I think that it'd be difficult for the mid majors to have opportunities to, to play a, a one time deal, pandemic rules. Include 128. Now, and I think now I think it's a little fairer, and then you have more. You know what you do, Leonard? You know what, what you do? Don't have conference tournaments this year because fans probably won't be able to attend anyway. And right. give the top two teams in the regular season uh, an automatic bid of every league. So you've got 64 automatics. Mm-hmm. That way the mids get their fair share, and then the rest go to at-larges. Mm-hmm. I, I like – I like that. I just I, I think that's fair this year. You're right. If you only have conference games, I think it is fair to expand the tournament because let's face it, the lows and mids, how are they going to get in? They're not. They're not otherwise. You've got to expand it and give them automatic bids. And I've always said, listen, the regular season champ, you know it. You did it. How much harder is it to win a regular season title in the ACC than a tournament title? Not even close. Right? You're right. So why aren't we rewarding teams for winning regular season titles? Because it's all about money. It's all about the conference tournaments and money. That's why. So to me, listen, you know, this is we got to adapt. You got to have plan A, plan B, plan C. You better have about eight or ten of those plans right now and be able to pivot quickly. And we don't have to make a decision today. But it certainly is something that uh, I wish – I just wish the NCAA had better leadership. I wish I felt better about them being able to figure this thing out and do it in a pragmatic, safe way because ultimately, like you said, the key is the safety of the kids. But we all want to play. Like people are tweeting at me right now that that I don't want to have a, a, a college basketball season because I'm I'm realistic about the, the safety – and uh, the concerns of what could happen to kids if they end up playing, whether it's football or basketball. 
of course, we all want to play, but we want to do it in a way that, again, we're not watching um, some kid drop dead on the court or on the field. Nobody wants that because of this. So it's so hard right now because so much of it is political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to um, want to hammer the NCAA because they, 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 are, they are up against some really unbelievable odds. When you have a politician over here that says, this is what we're going to do in this state. And someone says what they're gonna do in this state, and 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 I'm not accusing politicians of grandstanding or wanting to, you know, with, you know, with their knowledge of uh, and their understanding of college sports. When you see a football stadium full, uh, you see basketball arenas full. Everyone thinks that money is flowing like milk and honey. Yeah. They only they don't they don't know that only 20 athletic programs, maybe 22, 23, make money every year. They don't understand that the money that those programs are making play for sometimes 25, 30 sports on campus and the scholarships and the travel and everything that goes in. You know, so that money that's made in those football stadiums and those basketball arenas paying for all the other sports which gives the college experience, enhances the college experience. But for whatever reason, people get locked in on coaches' salaries and in those arenas that are full. Now, on that same Saturday where Alabama's playing Auburn or or Florida State's playing Clemson to pack houses, it's 80% of the football stadiums around the country that are being played are less than half full. And so no one is seeing that part. What they only are seeing is the ones who get all the recognition. And so many of the rules that we pass are for the elite athlete and not necessarily for the 98%. How do you give the elite athlete the opportunity to realize his dream, but but not create an issue for the for the for the others? And and then how do we get the opportunity for elite athletes <clears throat> to go straight and have legitimate opportunities to realize their dream in some of the other sports, football being I mean basketball being one of them? I mean, how do we make it equitable? I just think that <clears throat> but I do believe this. If we all sit down and be reasonable. That, that we can come up with this solution. I think we can put somebody on the moon. We can do, we can decide to do anything. But but it, it's really frustrating when we can't handle our racial issues. We can't handle these NCAA issues. I mean, it's it's like we all have our selfish motives, and I want to make decisions based on information. You know, I want I want to read the data. I don't want to be emotional yep. and. I don't want to be emotional and be against them making money. I don't want to be emotional saying that they deserve it. I want to have the facts so that we can make informed decisions. But as I listen to the arguments, everyone's arguing opinions, and and no one is giving me 
facts of how to make it work. Well, listen, I, I, we could go on for another. We haven't even talked about your team, which is sad, and, and we're, we're, we're done with the podcast here. But we'll, we'll, we'll have part B. Part B, we'll talk about. We have um, to talk about my team, my style, my system. I know. We got to do part B. Some basketball man is live and doing well now. Come on. Yes. We are new blood. Make sure you say it. We new bloods. We are calling our own frame. We new bloods. We, we're not going to ever catch up with the blue bloods because they got 75 <laughs> years ahead of us. So this is the same when you say Florida State, the, the new bloods are live, kicking, and doing well. Listen, I, I appreciate you joining us. We'll we'll do another we'll do another edition of this as the season hopefully. Gets no, 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 no. You can't leave me hanging like that. You're gonna Go bring me on here, we're gonna talk, we're not gonna talk about my team. So that means you need to do it like next week. Well, we we can we can do five or ten more minutes now, but your SID is hitting me up. I don't know if you got another, you know, appointment now or not. Uh yeah, I do. <laughs> see, see, I'm just trying to take care of you, my man. I'm just, I'm trying to make sure you don't get in trouble. So, well, but now, you know, no, I'm going to say this. Yeah, go um, ahead. Go ahead. You know, we still are fighting for our respect. Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting that in the last three years we've been pretty good and no one ever thinks we're any good in the preseason. This is another year, yeah. same way. Uh, I, I like our team. I like the progress the guys are that are, have made that are coming back. I think we we add some new pieces, and you can tell your listeners don't sleep on the Seminoles. Who, who, who's going to be who, who's the the guy or guys? I know when I ask you this, I know what your answer is going to be. But but yeah, we, we're back committed. We're eighteen strong. Yeah. We had nine different guys that led us in scoring, and what I'm saying to you, our system is different. We play different. We we sub different, and that's what we need to talk about because I, I think that. Because I don't have guys averaging 25 and 30 points a game, guys who, uh, you know, because we we, we, we kind of old school, like Red Allback. You remember Frank Ramsey and, and Kavacek? I'm from Boston. And, and, and all those guys came off the bench. Yeah. But they were integral parts. So we, we, we are not going to always have the, the top five or six players as some of the people that we're competing against. So we have a different rotation, a different system. If I try to be like the Blue Bloods, then not being a Blue Blood, I'm not going to be very effective. So I want to be just a little different. You know, I want I want our rotation to be a little different. I want our system to be a little different, offensively and defensively, and so that we can give ourselves the best chance to compete. And I think we've done a pretty good job on it. But no, you guys want to give us no recognition, man. What's up with that? Well, the hard part is, again, I think it's a little bit easier lately because you're getting players that that we know, right? It's hard when we don't know the players coming in. We know. But it's unfair because when you go have the confidence in us that we're selecting those players who you don't know anything about. See, one thing that's good about college basketball, there are basketball players everywhere. And and we got to get away from only giving people recognition and recognition up to the name players that they they've got. You know what I'm saying? Look at Devin, right? Those, Look at Devin. Yeah, but those days are over. Yeah. But you got to get in the custom. And case in point, how many guys who made McDonald American are sitting at home watching guys who made All State play on TV? A lot. A lot of. A lot. But but we, we so. Basketball has changed. 
And you need to be at the forefront of recognizing that and, and don't get caught up in the way we always evaluate. Yeah, I, no, I think I think I have lately a little bit more of instead of necessarily ranking uh, players and talent, you rank more programs and coaches. I, I think that has been something. Um, that that happens now with the guys who have earned that that's reputation. Right. That's right. The blue bloods. Yep. And us us new blood have not been invited to the party. <laughs> I mean, we've been crashing it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. You're right. I think I think it but, takes But that's okay. I, I, that's not anything to complain about. I'm realistic. You know, you're not supposed to know about some of the guys that, that, that we brought in because we try to recruit guys who fit who we are. Well, you go under the radar a good yes. amount. A yes. good amount. That's your – listen, a lot of – now, again, you've got after a lot of high-profile – right? I mean, you went after Andrew Wiggins. You go after some dudes. but But a lot of what you do – is under the radar a lot. I have a great staff, great guys who evaluate. And there was a time when we recruited good players and adjusted our system to the players. Now we have a system we recruit to our system. So a play, a person's value might mean more to us because of the way we like to play. It might be less valuable to someone else who, who, this guy might not have the same recognition, but he'd be more, much more important in, in the way we want to play. By the way, uh, people have asked me who my, my kind of dark horse is for the NBA draft this year. <laughs> and uh, I'm all about Patrick Williams. I'm all about him because I think he's, he fits today's NBA uh, about as well as anybody. Um, you own point. And he, 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 just start, he just scratched the surface. His mentality his confidence, his coachability, his unselfish spirit. I mean, Devin kind of has cracked the mold. Everybody knows who, who he is. Uh, but Devin and Trent Forrest are, are, are guys who are going to surprise people. <coughs> Trent Forrest will probably be a second rounder, should be a first rounder. And there's not a better floor general, a better leader, a better decision maker in the entire draft than Trent Forrest. And he 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 he's the winningest player in the history of, college, of Florida State basketball. I mean, he's been involved with more victims, and we cut those short by him not playing in the ACC tournament and going to the NCAA tournament. Else, his record would have been so far out. That, that's a big mistake because when the game's on the line, Trent goes and wins the games for you. And he did that. Listen, he did that when I watched him play AU ball. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's absolutely yeah. something. Um, all right. Well, listen. Um, appreciate you joining us. I know you're going to get in trouble with Chuck Walsh right now. So, all right, just uh, hey, get, come on, man, give me show show the Seminoles a little get some love. respect. We'll, we'll, right, we'll right. show you more respect. Hey, uh, hey, so I, let's I, talk about I, our team, okay? We'll we'll do that next time. I promise. Right, I'm gonna have Chuck on me howling you, okay? You got it, man. Thanks. <laughs> Take care. Be safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.